0: Hello, everybody. This is Josh, the man from Japan, the host of the Crana Command. And thank you very much again for joining us for this great issue. Uh, well, we have a show cram packed full of uh, inter- interviews of people. We have Jake and Barrett from the Warhammer Renaissance community. They're pretty, um, you know, um, pretty active over there in the United States, playing lots of Warhammer Renaissance and giving feedback to the community on Facebook. Uh, I've also got Jimmy from the Old World Lives podcast talking about his travels to Texas uh, for the Mordheim uh, event day, uh, where a whole group of fanatical Mordheim players got together with uh, wonderful terrain and played a narrative, narrative sort of campaign all the way in the States, which is like an invitational kind of thing, which is really cool. So it was really nice to touch base with Jimmy because Jimmy joined me way, 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 way back when we first started. Uh, The podcast is actually now three years old. I think it was uh, April, some day in April, or May, I think it was May actually, when we ticked over three years. So we sort of, I I think that sort of just passed me by actually. Didn't even really pick up on it. My good friend and co host, Carnifex. Uh, is not with us today because he has some um, some uh, family matters to take care of, and I just want to give him a break mentally from the hobby. So, Canterfix, if you're out there, mate, I hope everything's going well uh, with your situation, and we hope to hear from you again coming back on the next episode in the near future. But in terms of um, what's happening at the Crown of Command, um, we've just wrapped up the Call of the Crown Challenge 2, which is a massive effort, uh, enormous. I just posted up the the video up on my YouTube channel, showcasing all the armies that uh, of the participants that made it through uh, those grueling, I don't know, several months, reached the deadline, uh, got their armies photographed and sent it to GJ and GJ sent them to me. And I posted them up as a video, as a you know collage and in alphabetical order, hopefully I got everybody's names correct. It's <laughs> always been my sort of bugbear that I miss mistyped or misspelt someone's name or mispronounced. obviously there's no pronunciation there, but hopefully everything's fine. I've got Owen Staten's lovely um uh, voiceover backdrop in there to immerse yourself into the old world and uh yeah, see go and check it out because it's really an amazing um collaboration that these people are part taking part of and. Yeah, we've got to celebrate their efforts at the end of this amazing challenge. Even Jake himself, one of my guests, took part with a wonderful uh, looking walking goblin uh, tribe of uh, figures there. So there's a good mix of everything in there. So mostly fourth and fifth edition, but there are some other sixth edition stuff in there as well. So there's good. Good mishmash of different collections. I don't Oh, Maybe some third edition. I saw some third edition centaurs and stuff like that in there or second edition centaurs or whatever, but really nice to see a whole collection of people in the community getting together, banding together, you know, supporting each other through our Discord or through our Facebook groups and getting to realize their goal at the end, which is awesome to see because as we all know, painting an army is a very daunting challenge. And um, I hope to breach that subject in some more of these heavy led videos on my YouTube channel as that's sort of now kicking off. And we've had a couple of videos up there now uh, painting up some of Kandifex's, uh Slanesh um, models for his commission, which I'm really, really proud to be part of. And that's now in the process of getting varnished and being packed up. So tomorrow I can set it back to him. So that'll put a smile on his dial because uh, he'll be able to play it with... Um, Brandy dog down there with his armies and his other other uh, gaming uh, fellows in his gaming club, which would be awesome to see. i love to see the photos and videos, hopefully, coming back to us of him using his own Slanesh forty k second edition army, which would be really cool. So yeah, things have been really really busy. Uh, I think everyone's been really busy. You know, I've seen even on the Discord it's been really quite quiet. The paint and chat was very very little activity there so everyone's sort of back into their um regular patterns and um we we'll are trying to sort of squeeze in that hobby time uh the bunger challenge obviously wrapped up as well some amazing entries in there as well so yeah so maybe we're just having a bit of a hobby break but um here in the studio i'm at uh you know 100 percent uh like a steam engine uh, like a dwarf uh, what's called land train just keep murdering on and uh, pumping out those paint jobs and thank you very much to everybody who's uh sent me orders who's, who've been quiet about commissions and that kind of thing um been really really awesome to see so just a massive thank you to those people there and of course my patrons who support me as well and uh, in our painting lesson tutorials now I'll be doing a video for that on the YouTube channel to show you exactly what it's all about. But basically, I started this about a month and a half ago, where I would meet someone on Discord, and we would have a lesson together for either thirty minutes, an hour, either once a month, or you know, twice a month, or four times a month, whatever, whatever uh, tier you chose. And we would go through an army project together, or just you know, painting techniques, or whatever. You know, it's basically you know, you're the client, you're the you're my Uh, customer you tell me what you need in terms of painting where you're at we'll discuss all that Uh, basically we have like a 10 minute um, conference call to talk about you know what the project will entail and what kind of needs and you know where you are in terms of painting and what your goals and realistic achievements will be and then I set out a sort of a plan to say okay well maybe the first lesson we can approach you know painting horses or painting orc skin um, for your rogue trader orcs or whatever and i do that through a streaming service on my discord group and uh, i record the painting uh, tutorials and i upload it into google drive or another um, cloud-based service you can download that and keep it forever so it's been really cool i've got about uh three people now involved in this um AV-led, uh, tutorial uh, part of my patreon and they're really enjoying it um if you want to if you want to listen to or read George's uh George uh from the UK his testimonial about it it's on the Discord under the Creative command Channel and um and I've got Juan and I have Keith as well um so they're all got different they're all at different levels painting wise and they've all got different sort of uh, achievements or goals in mind and their objectives are a little bit different for each person so I've got to tailor that to their needs, and then try to, you know, obviously uh, hope that I can help in uh, reaching their goals or give them some kind of um, advice or tips and, and uh, make their painting life easier in terms of getting their projects realized so that's all about that i'll have it in the youtube channel it's going to be a massive update so get your coffee or cold drinks ready for that one because it'll be a big big one because i'll go through the the slanesh army showcase a bretonian project i'm working on for a gentleman in the united states that's going to be wrapped up today so loads happening um yeah so i'm really pumped and you know you know me i'm like super hyper um enthusiastic and you know raring to go so yeah, lots of great stuff. I'll, I'll I'll showcase other projects from David from the US. He sent me a whole big, huge, massive box, which cost an absolute fortune to send here, uh, of various undead projects that um, I'll show you and stuff that he sent me as well. So, yeah, loads happening. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. So thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And it's onwards and upwards. But for now, we're going to go into the show. And uh, we're going to... Start off with the boys from the US from Warhammer Renaissance uh, talking about the game and uh, about how they how they got into the hobby, and then we'll listen to to Jimmy and GJ later on. Okay, guys, we'll enjoy the show. Really appreciate your support. Take care, and uh, let's get on with it. man. I've got two very special guests hailing all the way from the US. Uh, They're both Warhammer uh, avid players of Warhammer Renaissance. I have uh, Barrett and I have Jake. Hi,
1: guys. How are you going?
2: Hey, Josh. Good to be here. Great to be
1: here. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Excellent. Yeah, uh, we
1: sort sort of touched,
0: well, we sort of know each other through the Facebook group of Warhammer Renaissance. And if people have absolutely no idea what Warhammer Renaissance is, guys, how would you sum it up? What would, define, what would define Warhammer Renaissance for you?
2: I th- Jake, me, you go first. Yeah, to, to me, it's basically, um, you know, if, if you've sort of played Warhammer where your heart is kind of in the fourth and fifth edition realm like it is for me, and you appreciate a lot of the developments that happened over time and want all the best elements of Warhammer all combined into one edition, that's what Warhammer Renaissance is to me.
1: Right. Okay. Barry have it for you, mate. So it is it is the best mid to high fantasy rank and flank game that you could possibly play. Warhammer the universe is and um, Warhammer Renaissance is a an attempt, a very good attempt, we believe, at making the perfect uh, community driven rules set to play a game that is very nostalgic and dear to all of our hearts. So it is the perfect blend of both um, competitive balance and rules testing and theory crafting combined with the nostalgic fourth and fifth edition. I think Jake nailed that perfectly. Those truly old school battles um, that we read, white dwarves and saw in codexes and all that good stuff. So that's how I would describe Warhammer Renaissance.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. I like that. Now, now looking at both of you, you know, obviously you can't see me, but looking at both of you, you look a lot younger than I am. So like, you know, I got into fourth edition when I was about, I don't know, I was in high school. So 16, 15, 16, 17, somewhere around that age. But you guys look a good decade younger than me. When was your first sort of contact into like Warhammer? And was fourth edition your very first edition that you played? Jake, you want to start first?
2: Yeah, for me, fourth edition was the f- first edition I played. I was ten years old, uh, oh,
0: okay,
2: and I, I it was a very it's a moment I still remember. Um, I had a friend who kind of learned about Warhammer through a few European kind of study abroad friends, basically um, from England and uh, one from France, and I was he wasn't actually home, but I walked into his dining room like my mom was picking up something from his mom and she says oh jake go go in the dining room and look at natty's warhammer and i i stepped in and just saw that basically the fourth the fourth edition box set contents basically set up along with an undead army and i just like i i just i didn't know i didn't have any like verbal description of what it was or anything but i just immediately knew this is i i'm into this I like what I see, I want in, whatever this is. And then, um, you know, a week or two down the road, we, you know, I met up with with my friend and he had the Citadel miniatures, like 1994, or 19, you know, something catalog. And I, we looked through the catalog and picked out my army, which was Skaven, and kind of went from there. So we didn't play the most uh, sophisticated games at that age. I mean, we we the rules were... Kind of not fully within our grasp to follow, and and armies were not fully within our financial uh, capacities to collect. But we we did what we could, and we certainly were were into it, into the idea of it. Um,
1: I, I love that story that you tell, Jake, where you come into your ninety, uh, you come into your ta- uh, lit dining room table, you see the minis on the table, and you instantly get hooked. I was much the same way. I started in the sixth edition, actually. Um, and we were we, we were young when we started playing sixth edition. So I bet that's when we were um, early teens into high school was uh, sixth, um, seventh, and eighth. So really the tail end of sixth. And we played a ton of seventh and eighth, uh, actually, our group did. But we always grew up and liked reading the old school lore and history of it. And we loved the old school miniatures. And we liked the new ones, too, that were coming out, kind of that sixth seventh eighth edition range of miniatures we enjoyed those we liked them but we loved one of the reasons we got into it so much was we loved the look and the feel and the character of the the goblin wolf riders were the coolest miniature i never had any of them but they were the coolest miniature i've ever seen i was just like i have to play that game and i want to be a part of that universe and that (laughs) lore and so i i loved it and but, but where I came from and I think what makes my background probably more unique than a lot of other people's is me and my friends are all very, very competitive. Um, in everything we do, we play golf, we play basketball for forever. I mean, we still play a lot of those sports and so like everything we do is a competition. And so that bleeds into our miniatures. And we obviously love the hobby and we're, and we're decent at it and we're getting better. And all my friends are painting more and more, but we really approached it from a game-driven perspective. We loved the mechanics. We loved the rank and flank. We loved the um, the dance of the you go, I go. The moving of the armies. You know, theory crafting lists. We loved that part. I think we spent countless nights where we would just stay up till the crack of dawn, just writing and rewriting different item combinations and list combinations and what the list would be good at. So that's kind of our background and how I got into it and so I have two best friends who between the three of us we have probably you know four or five armies each with thousands of points each just because we have just collected it forever and we love it and so so that's that's my background is we came from a very competitive
3: mm. uh
1: sixth seventh eighth but we love we love the we love Renaissance and we love the old editions and that's why we're, we're hooked and we're here right now so
0: that's good to hear, guys. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy that it's really taken off for Boulder and the, you know, the, the Danish group that it's become this international thing. Like now, it's like what four thousand members, or it's more than four thousand members, which is really, it really quite struck me. You know, now we've come out of COVID, and I think it started in 2020, didn't it? So now we're 2023. It's sort of grown and expanded there, and and it actually looks like it's just not people coming in to have a look to see what's happening. It's like people actually playing the game, which is the most encouraging part because a lot of the other groups it's more like okay show us your collections, show us your miniatures and there's there's no one playing the games but in renaissance it seems like a very active group and i do apologize my wife just walked in she dropped in a parcel from the uk full of fourth edition metal goblins thanks <laughs> to my good friend matt uh willingham so thanks matt if <laughs> won't you hear
2: this <laughs> live j- update safely
0: in japan mate so yeah um uh, uh probably with a pot of goblin green or something in there as well maybe but um yeah the but best. uh yeah <laughs> indeed but it's it's really nice to see that it's become this big international thing you know like we're playing it in Japan you guys are playing it in the States uh obviously there's a you know there's a Swedish Danish uh you, you know English uh connection there as well so and now we've seen you know you they have yearly tournaments there in Denmark, which uh, Jake was very fortunate um, to go to to visit that and attend that tournament
2: with one of your friends—is it your brother at all, Jake, that you went with? Nope, uh, best friend from college. We we uh, we we sort of met, and then some at some point in the first year of our friendship, we we found out that we both grew up playing Warhammer, and then our oh. our uh, friendship just you know skyrocketed from there.
0: Because you sound very similar you and your friend you sound yeah. very similar on the on, when I'm listening to the moments of consequence which is Barrett's uh YouTube channel yeah when I listen to you guys talk it you sound very similar I thought so I thought maybe there was sort of a relation there but um oh
2: that's interesting that's cool. yeah maybe we've just been friends for so long that we've we've adopted each <laughs> other's mannerisms or something <laughs>
1: maybe,
2: maybe it's my Midwestern twang that is just it's just yeah, you so
1: just, obvious and you just set
2: us off with, <laughs> with <guy. laughs>
0: uh so that's cool that's great so jake from your perspective and i know me and barrett would love to go to denmark and attend this tournament i would love to go there to do it just to see denmark be awesome uh but then to be around all the guys and to play warhammer for a weekend was it just a one-day event
2: it was yeah four four
0: games in one day but you had some pre-games before that yeah yeah there
2: was a there there was sort of like a day before for whoever showed up you know wanted to show up a day early so there, there was a kind of like a day of, you know, being in the in the same space and battling. And so it, it felt more like a two-day event, even though the tournament was one day. Right. And what were your impressions, mate? Of, of, first,
0: obviously, of Denmark and the tournament and uh, the people there. What, what was your overall impression of it?
2: I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, it was really I, – I loved it. I mean, I've uh, really had a good feeling about Denmark. It was a really – I liked the chance to sort of be in kind of what really felt like a, you know, sort of old world Europe, kind of like just what, um, kind of the, the various elements, I guess, that I would hope for like the architecture and, the just the feel and the landscapes and all that. And then, um, yeah, I mean, Balder was very welcoming, uh, you know, really great host. Um, both in terms of his hospitality but also in terms of his wonderful capacity to just fill us in on every single angle of you know the the mythology of the area and the the sort of history and politics and yeah. the you know the international perspective and so he he really it really felt like we got this great um chance to kind of immerse ourselves in you know the danish uh perspective and, and danish kind of history um and uh, yeah so it was um and yeah everyone was really welcoming you know beyond him i mean his his friends the other people who came were really like just i think they felt like it was uh special that we came you know that we came all the way from the U S to play Warhammer Renaissance. So I think there was kind of this sense of specialness on both sides, like that, that we had sort of come all that way and then that they were so welcoming to us. And it, it, so it had a really good feeling to it. And it it had that, I had this really wonderful feeling of, you know, being so in a way, like so far from home being, you know, across the sea and in a different country and hearing people, you know, speak a different language around me, Mm -hmm. which is not, not that familiar I haven't done a lot of international travel in my life yeah. but I also just felt so at home right That's because cool. I was just with people who shared this hobby yeah. and it was just it was really wonderful to feel like so comfortable and so kind of with my people and also so far yeah. from yeah. my usual you know place in the world so yeah did they take it easy on you uh, in the uh, on
1: the field? Was was the hospitality so warm and welcoming that they pulled punches on the battlefield?
2: Well, ba- well, Balder. I mean, you might say he did in the first battle. He certainly played a very creative, fun army. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a weak army by any means, but he he uh, he set up this um, really creative uh, high elf army. The with. Um, there's Potomac. the magic item for Foreign sword, which which yeah. creates this yeah. kind of unique commander who is a uh, very incompetent commander and gives you all of these um, disadvantages, but has a really powerful sword. And in exchange for that, and and um, Foreign must be the general. So he had Foreign Rond and then he had like Teclis, Tyrion, Eltharion, six bolt throwers that he deployed all in a big line. So it was kind of like this wild army. And, and um we did we did win that first battle but uh I think that was well th- I mean there was a lot of things that happened it was a 5000 point battle so I, I won't try to go into it because we we kind of covered it when on our podcast uh already but um yeah but yeah it was it was fun I don't I don't think anyone else he certainly didn't go easy on me when we played one-on-one um it was a really Tactical tough battle, and um, he beat me with Bretonians. So, which I had never played in Warhammer Renaissance before. Right. Is it now in uh, Renaissance the
0: the Bretonians are they sort of modelled on the fifth edition army list, or they've got a mix of fourth and fifth and third?
2: He actually, um, what he did is he actually he made it so that you could either choose the sort of fifth edition um you know sort of like glorious clean colorful heroic Knights or you could choose the old like third edition dirty peasants and and sort of um you know the more like grim Darky kind of bretonian right, okay theme where, where and and you have some some different army list choices like you can have the artillery
3: right. in the
2: older list you can have a lot more peasant options um you can have foot knights. Mm. So it's kind of a more more like a realistic medieval army, yeah. Whereas the fifth edition is more the like Arthurian, yeah, heroic knight army. And so you actually formation
1: can- maybe, <laughs> but- oh, lance formation,
2: yeah, yeah. Formation. And you can do the lance formation. You can do yeah. the prayer, you know, to get the the save. So yeah, so yeah, both of those options are kind of contained within the book. So he played the old. Mm. Uh, dirty peasants and foot and that sort of thing uh, list.
0: Oh, cool. that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and that, that's the thing that we'll touch on at some other point when we cover Renaissance maybe in more detail but um, and talk about the armies and that kind of thing as an overview. But to get a lot of information on that, on the actual armies and how the game plays, we're going to talk about moments of consequence. So that's Barrett's uh, YouTube channel. Yeah? So, yeah. Barrett,
1: how did, this, how did this all start, mate? So I was deeply inspired by this guy. His name was Jake, and he was on this Facebook group in <laughs> Warhammer Renaissance, and he, he was posting these, these battle reports, and it was yeah, yeah. something that I've always wanted to do. And yeah. I had pestered Jake for probably about um, – oh, I, I would say a good two months and I was like, hey, I got this idea. I think it could be really good. There's kind of there's, – there's really not a lot of people doing it, and, I, and we've kind of got a vision for it of, like, battle reports, but then also some commentary. Really, I, I was deeply inspired by ospex Tactics. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that 40K YouTuber. The guy's a machine, and um, if you have a chance to go look him up, I, that's a shameless plug. He doesn't pay me anything. But um, he, he is a streamer who just basically does uh, – you Google Slides, and he talks behind him, and, and has and has conversations, but it's about War, uh Games Workshops 40k franchise, mm-hmm. and I just basically applied that same process to Warhammer Renaissance, and coupled it with the ability to make very low scale, very low budget um uh battle reports. Hmm. And so we've been doing that now probably for like five months. I think we started February. I guess it would be only four and a half months. We started that in February of this year and uh, I'm a teacher. um, And so I'm in summer, which is actually my busiest season. It's not, it's, it's uh, counterintuitively. It's not uh, during the school year, I'm actually less busy during the school year because I'm in a better uh, routine and life's a little bit slower. But yeah. in the summer, I'm just pedal to the metal. So we haven't posted near as much, but uh, we we use moments of consequence to do battle reports. And then we have some commentary, much like uh, Baldr's uh, recent magical changes that he's doing, which is this awesome initiative that he's taken on upon himself to to clean up some of the things in the game. That's really fun to be a part of. Uh we 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 have plans to like, you know, follow along in that conversation. And it's just so awesome to be a part of the um the shaping of the rules. I think that's one of the best parts of it is you feel like you have a direct line to to Balder to 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 get Ideas across are like, hey, I like this. I don't like that. I think this is too strong. I mean, Teleport's been nerfed four times. It'll probably get nerfed again. I've been playing with it recently off camera, and I think Teleport is going to get nerfed again anyways. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of how Moments of Consequence started. Uh, Jake has this awesome story about Moments of Consequence that we go over on the first episode that is just a fantastic what it means to us. And it really is Warhammer Renaissance in our opinion because, you know, this game... Has these is is has these grand moments where it's like man everything was going to plan until I failed that leadership role or that spell went off or I lost the terror check and um or my lord got a six on my d six wounds and it and it ended and it cut off the enemy general's head I won the game it victorious all of those are moments of consequence and this game is one of the coolest vehicles for producing these moments of consequence so. Uh, that's why we named it. Uh Jake and I have been doing it for uh 4 months together. Casey is kind of the unofficial third and and we we really enjoy it. So yeah, that's kind of our story.
0: Nice, mate. That's great. No, I really enjoy those uh, because they're you know, they're not super long. They're like 17 to you know, 12 to 17 minutes long. Uh you get a nice little um, overview of the armies and you talk about the lists that you've taken and then you have some video footage of, you know, post turn uh, of of the game which is really nice to see as well so you've got some visuals you've got some uh, some commentary and then you've got post post game commentary as well so it's a really good uh really good YouTube channel it's uh, I've, I've obviously subscribed to it and I listen to as much as I can uh, that you guys put out so people who haven't who haven't who don't know about it who have never heard of it go and check out moments of consequence I'll leave a link in the uh, YouTube show notes so you can go there yourself and check it out. Uh, but that's a that's a great way to, to have a look at the game and see what it's all about. But if you know fourth edition uh, Wim of Fantasy uh, and fifth edition Wim of Fantasy, then you'll probably you know, you're probably streamline straight in. But it does have some uh, elements of sixth edition, seventh and eighth edition as well, and maybe even some bits of third edition in the army list as well. So it's got a good mix and blend of everything. Um, but yeah, I yeah I really like Renaissance. I just hope and pray. Please don't change much of the magic phase. I really, really like the magic phase. It is. I don't. I really, I really. really, Because when he proposed those changes, like, oh no, like this is going to ruin it for me. Because that's one of the aspects of one the fourth edition, especially uh, and Renaissance that I love the most.
1: i have a great oh i have a great question for you no i have a great question for you because i brought this up on my my last uh uh video i posted do you play with the competitive rules do you play with magic on turn one yes or no because i feel like that's a huge um impact on people's perception of the magic face
0: oh yeah we play balls out mate all balls out so we don't hold back anything mate so (laughs) if you ever watched our videos on my channel of uh yeah we just go hell for it like so basically the magic phase takes longer than any other phase in the game and that's one of the reasons i love it because it's like this whole mini game within the game itself and then when you think about it you know wizards obviously in fourth edition cost a huge amount of points so like you know techless could be like 500 points plus so you'd really want your, your magicians to shine in the game and have their presence felt i think fifth edition sort of really um, took them out of the game a lot because it's only you're, you're only casting your own turn and you're only dispelling uh, when it's not your turn kind of thing. And I think 4th gave this wonderful flavour. It You know, if, if you pick up the 4th edition Battle Magic set, that cover says it all. You know, you see these two mages battling it out, blue and red, you know. There's this wonderful image about it, and I think it really, and the cards and everything about 4th edition, I can't go past it. Like 5th edition, basically, Warhammer died after 5th edition for me, so... I can't go past the cards and all the colour. So <laughs> that gave all the flavour, you know what I mean? All the art and the flavour and everything about it. It got this, you know, had this really wonderful experience to it. Then it got very kind of tournament-driven and, you know, they took a lot of stuff out for obviously, obvious reasons. Um, but, yeah, I think magic is the most essential part. Jake, what do you think is the most what, – what's what's your favourite part about Warhammer Renaissance? Is it the magic phase or is it something else?
2: I don't know. I, I certainly do like the magic phase a lot. And I, mm. I tend to take magic um, pretty heavily on the heavier side, but I don't know. Somehow it doesn't seem quite right to say it's my favorite part. I mean, I, I think that it's the, all the elements working together to to make that really make such a great game. And I think without the magic, you would have something that just felt a little more mundane. Mm. And I feel like magic just is that layer on top of, of an already great system for, you know the combat and movement that that then just sort of adds that fantasy flavor and and the sort of um the unlikely sorts of things happening and you know i i also really love the 4th edition box set the spells like i love how creative and and kind of unusual some of them are like i i like there's some spells in the decks that are fairly you know standard like the the magic missiles and so on but um, I like how weird and kind of wonderful a lot of them are and how each lore you know has its own kind of personality and um, So yeah, I think that that just is sort of the, the the really juicy cherry on top of of the other elements of the game.
0: Yeah. And I think and I think you guys would agree it's quite unique because you had the special cards in the winter magic deck which weren't evident in the first three editions and they weren't uh, as far as i know it weren't uh, evident in, in the later editions so you could rebound you could try to destroy the spell you could um uh, escape death from your from your magic wizards uh, all those kind of things as well Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a very unique part of the, the Warhammer game. So I think it's just, if, if you, if you start, well, I don't know. And it, it, you know, like I've always said, it's Baldur's game and it's really his creation. It's really what he wants to do with it. But I think, um, it'd be a shame if too much things were changed and tweaked and it would be just resulting in more book flipping and trying to find rules and that kind of thing. So yeah, less change is is better.
2: I really like what he's doing. I, I think his, um, you know what he's doing with the idea of of, of coming out with a magic item that yeah matches that would that would look, I like that I think that's a great platform to sort of add some balancing or novelty or just adding a new twist without messing yeah. with you know with the essentials. Um <laughs> And he has said he's extremely reluctant to change any of the spells themselves. That's cool. so I think he does have a very cautious approach about how do I you know create balance create create a chance to enjoy all of this yeah because i think that's sort of the goal i think what his concern is is if 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 um if it becomes too apparent that you know okay well this is the thing to do forget the rest then it's like you're not enjoying all of it so i think his efforts are trying to say let's make sure as much of these awesome spells and you know cool possibilities are all equally on the table so that they all get to be used. And I think, um, yeah, the magic item idea is a way to not mess with what's there, but Mm. create some new avenues for using different things in a new way. And just just for the listeners who don't know what I'm referring to, he's basically created a a magic item specific to each of the eight college lores and each of those magic items provides some sort of boost in most cases to one of the kind of least likely to be used spells. So um, for instance, um there's like a shadow crown item that increases the range of the spell crown of Tadron, which is a like a um, you know, sort of like a magic missile that only has a six-inch range, I think. So it increases it to 18 inches. So suddenly that spell that is rarely used suddenly becomes um you know a good a good choice for for someone that and when when you take the item you can automatically select that spell so
0: yep now i really like those additions as well i think they're excellent because then like you say it gives those spell choices some extra use now they're much more viable in the game which is great to see so yeah i'm all i'm all in for like um like if you've got like a spell commentary section which balder does and he goes through each spell and he if he tries to define something better or rewrite it in a, in a in a way that's um that takes out any kind of ambiguity ambiguity out of the game that's a really wonderful thing and i think the living game system is an excellent thing um, we can see it in modern game systems where they sort of tweak and change and get feedback and you know readdress certain things And i think it's an excellent thing it keeps the uh, community active Um, So all those things are super positive, and that's one of the reasons why I like Renaissance. Not only that, because dwarfs can actually cast spells. That's one of the best things. And they move four inches. (laughs) Indeed do. do. We can actually get around the park now. The golf course is uh, not just reserved for the back line. We can actually move around and do things. So It's brilliant. Um, But, yeah, there's lots of good things to like, and... If you play, if you play fourth edition and fourth and fifth edition like I do and love it, renaissance, and I'll I'll put in uh, Flail of Skulls too, because of Skulls is like a fifth edition variant, they are essentially the same core of the game, but you get a different experience. And that way you're sort of playing the same game, but then experiencing something different and learning something different and it and you know uh, gives you a different perspective on the game and it makes it more fun. It's sort of, you know. And maybe you want to try a different new army or it, it changes at Army. So basically fourth edition dwarves well it becomes very different in flailer skulls and it becomes different in Renaissance too. And I like that about those systems. you know I like it being pure in the book. nothing changes. that's cool. but then I like having the sort of extra little sort of skins or layers that they've added on there um, in modern iterations. I think they're really, really positive things. Guys, uh, let's go to your armies now. So, Barrett, what is your favorite army? What's the favorite army you like to play?
1: So, I love the Lizardmen. I know you I, didn't say that, Barrett. <laughs> I love the Lizardmen. I can't help it. I can't uh, help it. I just love those smart toady boys. I just love um, I bought. I bought today a Seraphon from Age of Sigmar. I bought oh, yeah. the Seraphon Saurus astrolith bearer so he can be my battle standard bearer he right. was so expensive i regret it immediately but i just when i unbox it and put it together i will just be so excited um yeah i think i had a really nasty combo that i came up with it's the 1600 point value where basically i put all 800 of my points into a mummified slam mage priest and a level three uh slam and I would throw my mummified slam mage priest just around the battlefield, and he would just wreck things at, you know, strength six, toughness six, eight attacks, eight wounds. I mean, he was just a monster. And then if you had the pleasure of killing it, I would res it with the jade casket and then throw him again and do it all over. And it was just, and I, so I felt like I was personally responsible for teleport getting just nerfed <laughs> into the grave because I won a ton of games where I was just, and my friends told me, my, my friends give me this great nugget and I use it all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, if you were on the other side of the table, how would you, how would that make you feel? What would that, how would that feel to play against that? And, uh, and I didn't play it all the time against the same person, obviously, but I do understand where they're coming from. Being able to teleport something into the rear and then charging it before you can do anything and have any response. I always argued that you could dispel it, destroy scroll it, dispel scroll it, staff of three sisters, use the special cards. I just always thought that there were so many ways to deal with it, but I digress. It was probably a little too central to Renaissance and good on Balder for making the changes that um, will, will allow us to do that. So yeah, men are my favorite. I love the, I love the big toady boys. Okay. Nice. All right. Um, uh, and Jake, how about you, mate?
2: Well, uh, Skaven were my first love. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I instantly connected with the Skaven cause I actually had pet rats at the time. This is back when I was 10 years old. So <laughs> have, I, I think the softest place, you know, in my heart is for the Skaven, but, um, mm-hmm. a really close second, I guess, kind of, well yeah i would say is are the orcs and goblins uh specifically anything sculpted by kev adams and the parries that that just that range just really also uh speaks to me in a, a deep way um and that's sort of the army that i've actually collected and painted the best the skaven army you know goes all the way back through my life and has all these different you know, painting skill levels and conventions I was using at the time. And it, it's just sort of a big mess of different stuff. Um, mm. Whereas my orcs and goblins army, you know, I've really kind of collected and painted it mostly in really recent times, mostly, you know, 2020 till present. Um, and so it's very consistent and kind of to, you know, my best kind of army painting standard. And, uh, that's what I brought to Denmark and, um, that's the army. I, you know, if I was going to showcase an army, it would be that, that army. Yep. Um, so those are, those are my favorites. Um, I have a high elf army, which was my kind of like my seventh edition army. And, um, I've also kind of really like undead. I guess I'm, I'm I have a lot of favorites. Love undead. Love. I have a um, lot of undead characters painted up, and that that was also that was a a COVID lockdown project. Um, and really enjoy painting the undead as well. They're just yeah. fast and easy, and you kind of can't go wrong. Um, and then I got a lot of chaos too. So I just fin- I'm like just finishing up a unit of plague bears and just had so much fun painting them. And chaos I find is kind of also an easier to paint army, at least the way I paint them. They just kind of go fast, and the, mo- the models are all like twenty points each plus. And so yeah, yeah. anyway, I like I like having yeah a whole bunch of different armies to keep things fresh um, every battle and kind of rotate the painting and. So I like, I like a lot of armies, but um, yeah.
0: I've always enjoyed watching your armies on a tabletop. that look stunning uh, because Jake's a very accomplished painter. Uh, Barrett, do you like, do you enjoy the hobby part of it as well, mate? Do you like the painting part of it or not?
1: So I do, I enjoy it. Um, I, I am slower at it and I'm not quite as skilled and I find ways to cheat. So for example, with my Lizardmen, I spray painted them. I base coated them, basically their shade skin, and then found ways to get the armor to the right base coat color and then build it up that way. And I use contrast for almost all of my Nurgle. So I have a Nurgle army that I've painted all this year. And it was some of the fastest, quickest work I've done, but it was all done with contrast. And uh, games workshops, uh, line of, of contrast paints, obviously. And uh, yeah, and I really like that, so I, I enjoy it. I'm just not very good, so I'm just happy little accidents over here.
0: I oh, they look pretty <laughs> good, mate. For lizards, they not too bad, mate. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So
0: you're having a go at it, mate. That's that's the main thing. Have, have a go at it, you know what I mean. And um, yeah, get your armies painted, put on the table, and paint away your you armies. That's it, gotta paint you. Oh, yeah, we, we're, out of, we're out of the phase of you know, unpainted lead armies, you know, what we used to do it when we were kids. <laughs> no more i know there are too many there are too many um uh, advancements in painting technology now that uh, allow people to get their stuff painted pretty quickly and easily uh now general final question favorite model now we're talking about sort of you know around the fourth fifth edition era what's your favorite model barrett we'll start with you mate
1: so i am devastated that games workshop just two days ago came re-released the fourth or fifth edition yeah. Sland Mage Priest because I painted yeah. him as a mummy and um, or a mummified one. I painted him as all stone, and I really like my paint scheme that I did with him. That's my favorite miniature. I felt like I had a treasured collector's edition miniature that was never going to be re-released. And Games Workshop, they struck again. I can't believe it because yeah. I just... I just love that mini, and that's my favorite one. Fifth edition, or fourth cool. edition. That's a
0: fourth edition one, yeah. Yeah,
1: nice, fourth mate. edition Sandage Priest.
0: Well, time to get another one then, Barrett. Good on you, mate. Fantastic. Jake, <laughs> how about you?
2: That, that is such a hard question that I'm going to cheat a little bit and answer okay. with my favorite miniature of the week. So the miniature that I have fallen in love with this week is a Plague bear sculpted by Kev Adams. Cool. This was back back in 1991 when they all, each miniature had an individual name. Yeah. yeah. And uh, his name is Doomblight. And uh, I just really, I just really I've like got, this guy. I've got
0: guy. that guy myself. He's a great model. Yep, he's just,
2: he's just really been speaking to me.
0: Yep, Looks nice, man.
2: And just enjoyed painting him a lot. And actually, um, yeah, I, I just... I think that's the only way I can answer that question. I, I there's so many miniatures I love and it's it's uh it's too hard to say. Fantastic. I think I mean I think some of those, you know, those Scaven special characters are really just um yeah. I guess I I could probably nice. say those are some of my favorites because, you know, yeah. I l- looked at that Scaven book from, you know, who knows how many hours and, and those are really I mean, I think those are really great sculpts. I haven't actually painted all of those, so that that's sort of been on my list of I've got one um, more Cleek to go. To to what
0: Cleek's my last one, and that's it, and i finished the whole lot. Yeah. But gentlemen, it's been a wonderful time to to come and talk to you guys. I've really enjoyed your content online for Jake's, you know, uh, sort of battle report series, and now Barrett's taken that on with the moments of con- consequence. I want to thank you both for coming on and talking to us t- today. And uh, I hope you get some games on this week, guys. Okay, thanks very much. Take care.
2: Thanks, thank Josh. You. Thanks for having us. Okay, Great no problem. To talk to you. And thanks okay. so much for you know what you've done for the hobby.
0: No problem, mate. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks very much, guys. Take care. See you. you too.
2: Bye.
0: Yeah, it's good to have you back again, Jimmy. Thanks again. Uh, thank you. Really appreciate it. Uh, and I'm sure the guys in the Chronic Command community really are happy to hear your voice again, because they know your voice, I'm sure, from the Old World Live podcast, eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but about, but I would say that fire. I'm...
4: It's it's been rare for me to be in, be on the show nowadays. It's been a lot of things going on in life. Yeah, but mate. uh slowly yeah. getting back to it.
0: So how's how's life been treating you mate since 20 uh,
4: Well, the uh the whole covid thing has been fucking up a lot of things in life. Yeah, mate. But uh other than that it's been all fine actually. I mean, been doing a lot of fun hopper projects, been meeting a lot of
0: people, been on tournaments,
4: events, and everything.
0: Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I got you back on, because you went to yeah. some really exciting um, event for Mordheim in the United yeah. States. Is that right?
4: That's correct. Uh, it was the uh, Mordheim 2022 event. Uh, like, uh, it, It's kind of a follow-up to the Mordheim 2019 event, which was in Helsinki, so... This event was in Texas, Houston, uh, hosted by Bill Ford, a uh, great guy. I think his name on uh, Instagram is The Ruin, and there's a couple of numbers after his name. Got got to check it up, because uh, he's got a lot of pictures from the event, uh, his awesome war band. Hey, yeah, cool. Uh, and, uh, well... I would say that the event was like a... Uh, it's, it's more narratively driven than being like a tournament or a league. So there were like all the games was leading up to like this finale of the event, which was... Uh, let me see here. Uh, I had the papers in front of me. Here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this there, like the... Uh, the count, the count Steinhardt, which was like the burgomaster of the of the whole city when it was up and running, so to say, uh, he died during the uh, when the comet crashed into Mordheim. That's the official statement. <laughs> the uh, for the event we had like more of a unofficial thing. So like the count might be alive. There's rumors going that he's. Uh, is gathering his uh, his court once again trying to take the city back into his own hands 20 years after the comet struck but uh no one knows for sure if it's uh, if it's a true count or if it's just an imposter so this was like the finale that we built up for the event so every game gave the gave people like clues of his whereabouts uh, and uh, I think it was like the top four, well, winners, so to say, uh, got to play a a multiplayer game to try to catch this count and take down his court. I don't know where to start regarding the event. I like uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I I got the invitation from Bill.
0: Uh, yeah, I saw photos he, there. Man. Some, it's like it was really beautifully done too. Like it was, yeah. Really, like it was really themed, uh, Mordheim, yeah. war kind of thing. Where it's like in, and on this parchment paper, and it's all written, yeah. You know, this kind of medieval style. Yeah, it was amazing. And, um, yeah, really cool. I really like that. Yeah, I really, I, you know, I, like I'm not a Mordheim player. I've never played it. It doesn't. Yeah, you know, to be honest, it doesn't really do anything for me. But you know I like to see people's like I like to see your conversions and um, it gives this kind of uh, almost like blanchitsu kind of style to, yeah. the, to the figures and uh, and the world because it's all heavily you know inspired by his artwork, of course. Yeah. Um, and we also had Thomas Piranin on not so long ago talking about it. So I'm interested in, in people talking about it and you know, obviously they're very passionate about it like yourself and other people that at the event are really diehard fans of Mordheim, so that's really cool. Yeah. So just just looking at it is quite interesting. But it's 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 more of a dark, much darker uh, you know, Warhammer. Than yeah, I, I mean, yeah. It's uh, I mean
4: Warhammer in, in the nineties were quite colourful. Uh and the whole the whole going grim dark thing started with uh was like early third edition 40k and with the whole Mordham project for for the fantasy setting mm. uh, which kind of stayed for like two editions until they made like warhammer into what i call high mythical cuz it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like high fantasy anymore mm. uh but uh yeah uh back to the uh to the whole parchment thing uh Bill contacted me, like just asking questions, how how the 2020 event was, and no, no the 2019 event. Uh, he asked if I wanted to attend, and I said, like, man, I'm I'm super stoked that you're asking me, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think that I could go to the United States because I don't know how COVID is going to be. Uh, there's econo- economical things, uh, so I just don't know for sure. But uh, hey, just let me know, and I can help out with other things like writing scenarios, helping with lore stuff, and anything. Uh, but uh, so I helped him out with a couple of things, uh, and uh, uh, suddenly he asked me like, I, I, "Can I have your address? I, I still want to send you this invitation thing, uh, even though you're not gonna come." And uh, I said, "Sure." I gave him my address, and I, and once this letter popped into my mailbox, it was like. Yeah, I really need to go. <laughs> this is this is this is an event for like enthusiasts. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And it was my girlfriend who, like told me, "Dude, you have to go. This oh, is a once in it? a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, so you have to it. go." Yeah. So yeah. she was having my like, back the whole whole road of going there. Excellent. Excellent. So yeah, I started saving money and everything. Uh, so. Uh, I think it was in, like, November 2022. 20, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I bought a ticket, took a flight there, and I was meeting up with people whom I had never met. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been around the world on events, like going to Poland for Warmer Fantasy, uh, went to Helsinki for uh, the... Uh, 2019 event and just traveling around Sweden going to events and tournaments meeting people from all around the world there as well but going to Texas uh, I was going to meet like people I've never met before Texans Texans yeah Texans Yeah, and uh, uh, was like I was the only Swede who accepted as well Uh, I know there was like two or three other people who were invited but they said no and uh, they told me afterwards that they regret that it didn't didn't come uh, because right, all yeah. of them had their family situations because all of them are fathers and yeah. I don't have any kids myself so it's easier f- for me to just do this kind of trip. Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's it, mate. Yeah, I know. I know how how they feel. Yeah, when you have family commitments and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's a whole different a whole different uh you know ball game then. So yeah, getting yeah, on it is. is really difficult. But um okay, that's cool, mate. That's great. You're still young, mate. You're still young. Yeah, yeah, I, am. I mean a girlfriend. What what more can you ask? <laughs> yeah? I mean, thirty-six is kinda young, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, compared to how,
4: how old I am, mate.
0: I wish I was thirty-six. Jeez.
4: Oh man. The time is passing so fast.
0: <laughs> that's right, mate. Just don't don't waste a yeah. second of it. Don't waste a second of it. Play lots of games. That's yeah. my Um, uh, But yeah, what was your impression of the US? Because like you know, if US sort of fascinates I mean, me. um I'd, <sighs> I'd love to go there for a big, you know, I'd love to go there for a Decepticon or something like that. I reckon that'd yeah. be also awesome event just to meet up I with mean, people, socialize, you know, watch all the games and that kind of thing. What was your impression of you know American culture and how how were you treated there? I'm I'm, I'm assuming uh, they're very hospitable. The Americans and they're Texas.
4: very hospitable. Uh, I yeah. mean when uh, i mean we we arrived to uh, this this superstore uh me and two other guys from germany uh so we were like the only europeans there so we oh. we were hanging out a lot of a lot of the time where we were there and uh when we're when we were walking around the aisles looking for things we looked kind of lost and people <laughs> like came up to us do you need help with something do you need help to help us find something it was like <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. If this happens at home, it's like in Sweden, you just keep to yourself. Yeah. You don't interact <laughs> with anyone. That's yeah. the Swedish way. Like, yeah. The counter of introverts. <laughs> and and the, yeah. the German is almost like, it's kind of the same in Germany. So it's kind of weird, but in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, my not. God. Pe- people are nice. Wow. Uh. Yeah. And the uh, the biggest like thing was the the size of everything. It's like the city was big, cars were big, roads were big. The food, the Texas size food, was right. the biggest kind of portions I've ever seen. And I'm a big guy; I can eat big portions, but yeah. this was
0: beyond me. Wow, Might put you to to, to the test. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> Uh, you know, culturally, it just uh, yeah, just threw you, uh, into a new world. So that's wonderful, isn't yeah. that? it? Great experience. Yeah, so and to, I, I would so love to go back. I would love to go back. Yeah, I think I think um, maybe it's kind of like Japan. Maybe in the same kind like the service industries, maybe the same as Japan. It's like all the the experience of just traveling to some other place, which is completely different from your own culture and. Environment, So I think people yeah. get wrapped up with that. And, they, you know, like me, I ended up in Japan and been here for 10 years now. So it sticks with you, I think. Uh, so, yeah, America sounds like a fascinating place. I would love to go there and, and meet Americans and fellow gamers and hang out for a weekend there and just play games and roll dice. It sounds like a really good time. So, mate, yeah, like I said, you know, please, you know, thank you, girlfriend, so much for that. That's that's awesome because, you know, not, not a lot of us can do that kind of thing, just get mm. up. Just, just take off and and do that. So that's awesome, mate. That's great. yeah. I feel um, lucky. Very happened, lucky. How <laughs> about all the terrain and everything? Like, was was the organizer putting that up, or was it sort of uh, brought their own terrain and tables? Some
4: some people brought their own tables. Uh, there was this uh, couple guys from uh, Canada who brought their modular wartime table. Uh, a lot of it was a lot of it was three D printed, but uh, like the board itself was cut out from foam uh, where you could like switch places with some of the, uh, Oh my God, I need to find the English word for it. It's a modular. The, uh, table. The... Yeah. It's a modular table with like right. platforms and everything. Sure. It was super cool. Uh, right. and, uh, we had a sewer table, yeah. uh, with like small tentacles, which was moving around in the water so it could grab people during the game and like hold them stuck. Yeah. Uh, And then the the organizer, Bill, he built a lot of tables himself, uh, smaller tables, so not standard four foot by four foot. So they were like more two by two or three by two or three by three. So Mm -hmm. smaller tables, which meant faster paced games since you were closer to your opponents. But uh, every board was heavily themed. So we had like the docks. So there were boats at the dock and everything. Uh, we had uh, uh, some ruins, like generic ruins, uh, gothic kind of ones. Uh, we had the uh, one of the settlements around Mordheim, because uh, around the city, there's like four or five settlements where all the warbands stay during the night because you don't live with, inside the city because of all the chaos stuff happening. I mean, there's chaos pawns roaming the streets. You don't want to sleep in one of the buildings. Anything can happen in there. Uh, So he built one of the uh, settlements, which is called Sigmar Haven, which is like the most law-abiding settlement, I would say. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's still like criminals and crooks living there as well so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> you, you can be a nice guy but you don't have to be a nice guy oh, just to be better. there yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and then one of the guys from new york uh he brought well rather shipped one of his tables uh which was custom made by ms terrain lab on instagram this is the most amazing wartime table that I've ever seen in my wow. fucking life.
0: Wow. Yeah. Cool.
4: It's, uh, I'll send you some pictures or yeah, links to do. this later. Or well, better still uh, put it
0: on Discord, mate. Credit Command Discord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: Uh, it was mind blowing. And I got to play on this table twice during the event. There's like details everywhere, nooks and crannies. Uh, like small tunnels there's even like small underground tunnels at one of the sides of the table oh wow yeah yeah it looks super cool Uh, and there's like it's it's just not big like it 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 was a full four by four table Mm. but it was also very tall tall buildings big platforms. I believe there was a huge uh, tower at the middle of the uh, table where we had like wizard's duels and everything. It was like, uh, it was uh, eventually known as the uh, the challenging tower. So mm. people wanted to have a, a nice challenge, put their bottles <laughs> up in the t- tower and <laughs> duked it out up there.
0: Oh, how highlander of them. Yeah very,
4: yeah, very highlander. <laughs>
0: Brilliant! Oh, oh, just get a refill,
4: mine.
0: My... Um, I'm, well, I'm actually looking forward to seeing pictures of that table because that I think one of the aspects of Mordheim is more about the table. It's more about the terrain. For you know, from you know, obviously, I haven't played it as I said, but looking at pictures of it, it's more the the you know the whole scope of the terrain. It's very right. important that you have a lot of terrain, and it's it's yeah. The, it's beautiful, and it's, it's playable on. And and then you know you just have your um you know your ten guys or whatever it is in your, in your war band that comes sort of after that. Yeah. Um, but you know, like when when you came to the event, like with with your Mordheim uh, war band, was it starting from like level zero and you sort of worked up through the campaign? How how did that sort of how did that work? So just uh, everyone had to start their war band with five hundred gold crowns, which
4: we which we normally do when we play more time but yep. everyone also had 100 extra gold crown which which you could use only on equipment right. so like weapons armor uh, miscellaneous items so you had like extra gear and just to make sure that all the warbands were a bit seasoned you had 20 experience points which you could put out anywhere within a warband mm-hmm. so uh so, you could get level ups before the first game, but for each level up that you got, uh, you had to roll for an injury. Mm. Uh, and I know one of the guys, he was like, uh, his name was Alex. He played the Sisters of uh, Sigmar, mm. and he's the one who brought the uh, amazing table from MS Terrain Lab. Yeah. Uh, and he put all of his experience points on one single character which mm-hmm. missed out three games because of these injuries. So oh, he only wow. got to use her for like two games.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, she was ask.
4: overpowerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good little handicap then. Yeah. A handicap, but yeah. basically it's, it's preventing you from sort of, you know, su- supersizing your characters or heroes. Yeah. Um, then having to pay the consequence of rolling badly on the injury table kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh,
4: me, me myself I was like um, I put ex- enough experience on all heroes so they didn't level up and put the rest on the henchmen so they did level up because right. I like I like uh, getting like level ups from taking people out of action like yeah. killing them or whatever uh, which here like heroes are the only ones who get experience for taking people out during the games the henchmen mm. only gets like experience from participating So they're slow growers. Yep. Uh, But uh, doing this, it cost me like one beast man, which is the most expensive henchman you can have for the culture possessed. Uh, So I lost my two wound guy and I lost one of my, they're called dark souls. So like people who have been like possessed by demon for a short time, but they still think that they're demons. So they're like Crazy little bastards running around wearing <laughs> demonic masks, doing everything, believing that they're, I'm a demon, I can do everything. <laughs> they have like yeah. leadership four, but it passed all leadership tests they need to take because of their, their crazy state.
0: Ah, right. Yeah. I was say leadership four, that's lower than a goblin. That's really- Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, so were they open to like having lists from the journal or white dwarf issues. Was it sort of just yeah. open, kind of to any kind of list you could bring like, uh, dwarves or orcs or goblins or whatever in your war bands. We could
4: only use uh, rulebook rule book war bands right. uh, for this event. Yeah. But, uh, I believe that we were allowed to use, uh, like hard swords from any public published rule. Okay. There, there weren't a lot of uh, hard swords at the event. Uh, like some, some people have just brought like, I need a, I, I need an elf ranger. So they had like a sniper guy.
1: Hmm.
4: That, that was like the most
0: common thing. I hear, I hear that slings sort of break the game. That's, that's the common. Yeah. I mean, thing I hear. slings, were the slings yeah. were taken under control. Uh, or?
4: Uh, there were weren't a lot of slings at the event, apart from the uh, one of the sisters of uh, Sigmar Warbands. Oh right. Really? Uh, slings get out of control when you play Skaven and, and you have twenty guys oh. with slings. Right. That's when it gets out of control. Gotcha. Okay. But, uh, it, it it can be can be parried with like good terrain and if you're a like good player and use the Hydrule a lot. Then people can't shoot at you, but eventually they're going to be able to shoot you, and there's going to be a lot of slings then. Right. Okay. But uh, yeah, we're talking about the whole thing before the event. It's like if 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 people want to do it, fine, but expect like expect us to frown upon it. Okay. But no one br- no one brought sling spam which was uh super, no one's super be that great guy. that's good yeah I'm, I'm glad no, about that. no yeah
0: no one want to be that guy yeah that's good I think I think you're sort of in amongst company of like-minded gamers where they've sort of they've seen it all been been there done that and now they're sort of just playing it for the narrative fun of just yeah. then having fun and yeah yeah playing with like-minded people in the same kind of uh, ki- kind of mindset yeah in the spirit of war gaming, I think that's the way way we want to look at it today. So that's good, mate. That's great. Um, So is there plans for another event in the future?
4: Uh, There are. Uh, Me and a couple of friends is actually going to host an event here in Sweden in uh, November as well. Uh, We're we're still working a lot of things out, but we have sent out the uh, invitations to people. Excellent. Uh, So we hope to be at least 20-plus. Who attends? Wow! Yeah,
0: that's big, man.
4: Yeah, it is.
0: Ten tables is. worth of
4: terrain. We have uh, we have at least ten different tables, but we we, we do want to have more. I mean, twen- t- ten tables is enough for twenty people. Yeah. But uh, I mean, we need some tables who needs to be bigger so we can play multiplayer games on them, and mm-hmm. we need some games which are smaller so we can have like. Instead of playing with your whole war band, you can have like a handful of dudes like duking it out in a in a bar room
0: brawl or whatever. Yeah, and but like uh, where at the US event was was it sort of was was there a table for people to come was was it like a sort of like an open exhibition event so people could just walk in and have a look and walk around the tables was it sort of like a participation kind of a table there at all for new people people getting into the game at all.
4: Uh, no no participation tables but uh because we were playing at a bar it's like the most <laughs> punkish bar that i've ever been to and i love the place
1: <laughs> yeah. That's great. yeah yeah uh,
4: so uh, yeah. during during the days when we played we had like this whole big big room where we could play yeah. uh, our games yeah. and the room next to us was like the bar the bar area excellent so yeah so we had free Free range to go and grab a beer or a drink or whatever yeah. to, to have during our games and some of the uh patrons at the bar like came in ask questions about about <laughs> the game and everything
0: <laughs> so yeah after they had a few they come and what what's going on with you? like what yeah. are doing with these strange I think it's some kind of model railway train event. Yeah. yeah but, okay, that's that's cool. You sort of enlightened some people about Mordheim and that kind of thing along yeah. the journey. So that's cool. So I, I remember one of the guys who came in, he actually, he used to play
4: Warhammer back in like 95, I think. Hey. An older guy. Yeah, an older guy. Nice. It was like, he he
0: his stopped a very playing as I mean, Very young guy. Very young guy. In his life, in his 40s. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> a young <laughs> young person.
3: <laughs>
4: of course. Yeah. 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 So he uh, he got to relive some of his uh, like youth, like <laughs> young on days. I mean, he's he, he's young, but he's, he's not
0: a teenager anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that's good mate. that's great so that yeah. at least you made one connection with somebody yeah if it's something yeah. about the old days of warhammer that's good yeah um now i yeah i'm assuming like yeah sweden will be just all over this event like you know what i mean like all because you've got as you're in the northern hemisphere you've got you know uh, neighboring countries and people are very yeah. close to, get to sweden so mate you'll fill 20 seats in no time
4: yeah we will uh, I mean, so some people have have said, like, maybe. So I'm going to get in touch with them uh, at the end of the month just to double-check if if they want to come or not. Because uh, we do have a reserve list with uh, people who do want to come.
0: Oh, that's cool, man. So,
4: yeah. Filling those place-like spots shouldn't be uh, impossible. And no. like, like you said, being here, I mean, there's a lot of Mordheim enthusiasts up in the northern countries. Yeah, We have a lot of Finnish people. We have a lot of people here in Sweden. We have a couple of Danes. I know there's a handful of Norwegian guys as well.
2: Mm.
0: So Mordheim is pretty big up north. Do you foresee that GW will re-release Mordheim at some stage? It seems to be one of these kind of specialist games that has survived all these years, has a massive cult following, Yeah, and that they've never, like the Necromunda, they've obviously re-released. Um, and it just seems like it's just destiny that they're going to re-release more time again in some future with plastic terrain and that kind of thing, much like uh, Age of Sigma or something like that. Do you think yeah. that's going to happen, do you think, in the future?
4: I think it's like a 50-50, depending on how how the reception of the old world is going to be. Yeah. Because I, I, I know the G-Dub, they said it's not impossible, but they don't have any plans at it. But if they do try to bring back the game, it they do have a very very big project on their hands because they need to they need to make their fans happy. They can't just make everyone happy. They need to make their fans happy first and foremost, mm-hmm. then make the game more accessible to everyone else. Because I believe that's why some people have a hard time getting into Mortem as well. Because mm-hmm. as you know, with games from the nineties, there's a lot of rules. Yes, so it it it's a it's a big threshold to step over to just get into a game, uh, and the same goes with the uh, with the warbands. I mean, you can get just ten models and play, mm. but uh, with all the whole uh, with with so many like different kind of warbands, kind of equipment that you can have. Uh, and if you ask me, what you see is what you got is a very important rule to have in Mordheim because you need to be able to look at the model and see, hmm, does this guy have armor? No, so I won't be buying him heavy armor. He has a sword, so I need to buy him a sword and not an axe. Very different because all of the uh, weapons have specific rules in Mordheim. Same goes with weapons like armor as well. And uh, Then it's the terrain part. if they release more time they need to release like 16th century buildings in a ruined state in a mm. plastic kit yeah and if they do I'm super stoked about it because if I if I like the new rule set, great if I don't like it hey at least I get new kits and uh, terrain
0: to use mm. yep I think that's a, I think yeah. I think I think they're gonna do it mate they'll do it They'll do it on like a like a like a two foot by two foot playing surface kind of thing. It's gonna be really small. Sp- yeah, it's it's uh,
1: most
4: likely gonna be smaller. Yeah, oh, I reckon that's- four foot by four foot is. It's uh, because I, I have my boardham table here just behind me <laughs> as we're talking. Oh, right. Okay. And yeah, back in yeah. my hobby room. Nice. Uh, it's uh,
0: it's taking up a lot of spots, a lot of space.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Nice, mate. That's good. I'm. I'm glad you have a, a space dedicated just for your hobby and that kind of thing. Yeah. You have a, a dedicated table space. That's amazing. So that's great. Unfortunately, I don't have. I don't have the space to have a table up here uh, or permanently. I've got to put it down and put it back up again and that kind of thing. So I'd love to have that. So that's really lucky for you, mate. But um, look, you guys at the Old World Lives podcast. Now, if anybody has never heard of that. Uh, I'll leave a link in the show notes again because people should go and check it out because I really enjoy listening to you guys. Even though I've never played 6th edition fantasy, it doesn't really matter. It's just listening to you guys uh, talking about various different topics and um, you guys have got your fingers on the pulse about what's happening with the new old world coming out. How excited are you, Jimmy, about the – what do you think about the news coming out leaking out uh, recently? What do you think about the new old world and how excited are you about that? Well, I would
4: say I'm 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 excited to like try out a new game. Uh, uh, the whole thing with uh, going back to a historical setting, is what's like makes it more thrilling to me because I love Warhammer history, and going back in time to like a place like the event that they're gonna pick in the uh, in the old world is just before the Second Great War against Chaos. Like mm. during the time of Magnus the Pious, mm. before the empire have access to magicians, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of chaos players, a lot of works of goblins, uh, a lot of beastmen players as well. Who who's going to get an, a new couple of toys? Uh, but the whole thing with the with the release as well is that some kits are coming back, so people missed out buying uh, buying some of the later kits for. Like Bretonia, uh, Tomb Kings of Camry, they're gonna get their, they're gonna get their kits back, at least some of them, and some are gonna be completely new. So for, for those of us who enjoy playing around with new plastic kits, it's gonna be a hell of a good time. Uh, regarding the rules, I just hope they're gonna be fun, uh, and if not, hey, I'm getting new miniatures.
1: Hmm.
0: That's a good way to look at it, mate. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, was, uh, I, I think uh, if if I like the rules, uh yeah. I'm 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 not going to be because the uh, the old world is going to get bigger bases for yeah. all the miniatures, yeah. yeah
3: that's a big, a one. Uh,
4: so yeah. A, a good thing here is that my dwarf models are not going to be touching each other when they're ranked up because that's a problem that I have today. <laughs> <laughs> Those little bearded guys touching each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's fair. Uh, Cuz I need to repaint some models like every third or fourth game because they touch each other. And uh, I don't want to put varnish on them because that's going to mess with the paint job
3: because there's a lot of
4: metallics on them.
0: Right, okay. That's a a good point. Varnish is always a very – it's a thing that people either – Go all out for, and they just varnish everything. I'm sort of yeah. half half kind of thing. I'm, I'm sort of half varnishing stuff, <laughs> half not varnishing stuff because sometimes I varnish something with a with a matte varnish and it gives like a really highly uh, glossy satin finish. Yeah, that, and yeah, and then then years later the the varnish turns yellow on things, and uh, oh yeah, you know, that's I'd rather just not varnish them at all and just leave them. And if they get chipped, hey, you know I can just repaint them. Just yeah. toss them up here and there it's it's kind of the fun of the hobby it's yeah. part, of part of that process but um but being it, being a ho- hobby doctor a hobby doctor that's the way to yeah, do it yeah yeah put your uh, medical brush and uh apply the paint and put on yeah. those little doors faces I mean you know yeah that but mate look Jimmy uh, thank you very much again for coming on um uh, it's been now what four uh three years since we last Yeah. Spoke. And it's really a pleasure to have you on, mate, Uh, and to your insights into the Mordheim event in Texas. And a shout out to those guys. um, Thank you very much for putting that on and getting Jimmy over there. So it was really good. And, uh, mate, we want to have you back on at some point to talk about another subject. Maybe uh something of your choosing maybe something to do with Ooh. the war because I, would, I know the older i mean i would cool. love to talk
4: about fourth edition once i get to try it i mean i've I, yeah. been playing some some fifth editions games right. like right. now and then right. but uh me and me and a friend we've been looking into uh fourth edition a lot I mean, now because uh, like like a realm of chaos fourth edition campaign. Oh yeah. Ooh. Ooh. i got my hands on like uh 20-ish Uh, like old third edition chaos models and was like hey I want to
0: use this for a for a like hero hammer project awesome awesome mate you're on the right you're on the right track there Uh, you know because fourth edition is just where where my heart is you know it's just where it all started for me even though I started a third edition but fourth edition was when I started playing and collecting and painting so yeah, it, it it's uh, it calls to me, mate, every day. Fourth edition. So um, yeah, we'll definitely have you back on that for that. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be wonderful, mate. I really really enjoy that. So let's let's work out what we're going to talk about after you play it a couple. Yeah. Of games. Have a game with me, mate. Let's do it remotely. I'm doing the remote. Yeah, on, on the I would love game. to. And have, have it we have you on as one of the participants in one of the. Um, you can you know we have six people playing at the moment, um, and we have just using my armies here. A thousand points, really fun. You know, it's just we're just playing a narrative campaign of the Border Princes and the oh, three forces of evil it. trying to, you know, get through the Border Princes and ravish the lands of the Empire beyond. And we've got the high elves, the wood elves, and the dwarves, uh, as the three resistors, if you like, uh, or the resistance kind of thing you know trying to <laughs> hold it back so it's been really fun with the guys and to do that and um to meet some people that i know their name online but never spoke to so it's been really great for that so we're going to have you on that mate for sure for the next yeah. round for sure mate. nice all right buddy well I'm all game you're going you're going to enjoy your hobby this weekend and i hope things get better better for you mate in uh, 2023 thank and, you uh, to send out my best wishes to you and your girlfriend there mate all right so take care and the same to you man Same to you. Thank you, brother. All right, mate. Take (laughs) care. We'll see you next time. Take care. Okay, mate. See ya. See ya.
3: Hello, everyone. It's GJ with another Call of the Crown update. This is going to be the final Call of the Crown update because we have finished the challenge. At least uh, a lot of us did. We've got a grand total of over 133,000 points that have been painted in these past 8 months. And I am so very happy that the challenge was such a great success. Now before we take a look at the pictures that have been submitted, I need to clarify a few things. Because I have a system and apparently my system which is clear to me does not automatically mean that it's also clear to the rest of the world. Uh, So I'm, I'm guessing that's just me then because I don't think all of the rest of the world are equally crazy. But uh, yeah, so what I did was everybody who had already finished their challenge, their names are listed uh, way down at the bottom of the page. If you go to gjsworkshop.wordpress.com, you'll find the Call of the Crown May update. And if you go all the way to the bottom of uh, of the page, you will see a list of people that have completed their part of the challenge in a previous month. And below that, we have the Garden of More, a list of the people that had planned to participate or maybe had participated for a while, but then had to drop out for various reasons. I believe, I didn't count them, but there is about 25 people on the list that did not complete the challenge. Um, So that means that uh, well over 60 people have completed the challenge, which is an amazing amount. And judging by the number of points, that's, uh, that's also a very, very fine accomplishment. If you divide 133 by 60, you're a little over 2000 points a person. Well, this does include, of course, the people that have dropped out. But uh, they, they had submitted something in previous months, but they hadn't completed the challenge. So that points still count for the challenge. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's a little bit of on, on how I did this. A lot of people have asked me about why is my name not appearing in the list of finished armies. Uh, and then I had to explain that. So I thought I'd do that on the podcast here as well. Now taking a look at the pictures, we see some very nice um, collections of miniatures that have been painted in the final month. If you, for example take a look at what Alexander Radik painted, he's got some Illyrian Reavers I believe it is, maybe silver, yeah Illyrian Reavers, 8 Reavers, 12 Shadow Warriors and a mage for his final month. And then the next entry, Andy Bonner, he's got a similar um collection of miniatures there with an empire war wagon and some knights and crossbowmen and halberdiers, which are his uh, allies for his uh, dwarf army i believe he did yeah he did a dwarf army uh bad gobbo with some uh, well, absolutely amazing pictures of his uh, orcs and goblins. The freehand banners are really amazing. I shouted them out before, but uh, I'm going to do that again. Uh, ben, Ben Kochkamper with Warriors of Chaos. He's got a Slaanesh army painted up. And for this month, he submitted seven Slaanesh knights, which for some reason have two standards with them. So I guess they are going to be two units, or maybe it just looks cool. It doesn't have to be legal. Chris B, he has a phonetic uh, tier Chaos slash Orcs and Goblins army. He painted up 675 points of slanesh demons. Slanesh is popular in the challenge. Uh, six mounted demonettes and five on foot. And they've all got champions and a standard bearer. Now Clem, he had already finished his army, but despite that, he did still submit a picture of a lovely battlefield and backdrop that he made. Uh, Looks gorgeous, I've seen some pictures with miniatures on there as well. Absolutely amazing. Daniel Green has a Cyclops, which he converted to a summonable Nurgle demon. David Rudd with some Dogs of War. I see, uh, I believe those are Buckman's Rangers in there. Al Muqtaz Desert Dogs, uh, Lorenzo Lupo and the Galloper Guns. Um, Then myself, I'm going to, uh, as you notice I've been lamenting every time about not being able to shout everyone out so now I just thought for the final time I'm just going to take my time and I will shout everyone out which sadly also includes myself. Um, I did the rest of my Beastman Minotaurs. I had planned them for an earlier month, but uh, some other things got me distracted. Some hobby related things and also some uh, real life related things like work and such. So I finished my Minotaurs this month. I'm particularly happy about some of them including the, uh, what's that called, the, the Gore Bull or the Doom Bull with additional hand weapons. I, um, I had some extra weapons for my, from the plastic minotaur kits, and I had some missing weapons for the metal ones, and for some reason I managed to line them all up, and now I have complete units of minotaurs, and uh, I can't wait to take a full minotaur army to battle, it's not really points legal, but I do have some plans to do that. Then, next, also an honorable shout out to yours truly, which is uh, Grease's Gold Tooth. I did uh, two entries for this challenge to armies, beastmen, and a small ogre force because ogres weren't represented and I felt sorry for them. So, I painted up six man eaters and Grease's Gold Tooth for a total of uh, just under a thousand points, I believe, maybe just over. Um, Lovely miniature to paint Grease's gold tooth, but a terrible one to put together, the metal one. A lot of gaps to fill, couldn't make it work without using some green stuff there. Well on to some better painted miniatures, Heteroy has an amazing collection of Orcs and Goblins miniatures that he posts, he's got the Marauder Giant, he's got a few Night Goblins with uh, different kinds of weapons and uh, his, I think his centerpiece model. Is a nightgoblin war boss on a wyvern, and this is a conversion from um, I have to recall it by heart because he he posted up on the Crown of Command Facebook page. It was a conversion from one of the old Citadel, maybe not even Citadel wyvern miniatures, and he's got some of the bits from the uh, orc. Shaman on Wyvern set or maybe Azak the Slaughterer set Uh, the saddle I believe and I don't really know where the where the Goblin miniature came from Uh, at least he he, well anyway he converted it and a very very nice job there Ilka uh, uh, I'm sorry I'm not going to pronounce your last name it's uh, (laughs) I'm I'm terrible at Scandinavian names I'm assuming Scandinavian might even have insulted an entire group of countries over there, but uh, Ilka painted up uh, ogres, he's got dogs of war, um, mercenary ogres, Franks ogres and he's got some dwarves with crossbows and uh, he said I, I couldn't finish Borgio but uh, now he's already modded up and ready to paint so the challenge continues so uh, good luck on painting Borgio uh, lovely miniature that one as well Yako uh, has dark elves, a unit of twenty-one corsairs, and a sorcerer's lords. He went a bit above and beyond there because his original list, he says, only included eighteen of the corsairs. So, yeah, um, well done on getting some more miniatures painted. James has got some awesome minotaurs, which uh, are way better painted than mine, and a dusk Gore chariot to boot, uh, 4 Minotaurs and a chariot. Uh, Jeppe Dunning has got some dark riders, uh, 6 of them, also painted to an amazing standard with a, a very nice color scheme with uh, purples and blues for the details and then some ivory colored spear shafts that really uh, contrast the models, so uh, well done there. Uh, Joe Simon has a ghoul king, a vampire uh, general, Uh, I think it's going to be a strigoi vampire depending on the edition of course, so it's uh, uh, it's a ghoul painted with some great blood effects there, he's just had a snack and he's still looking for more, awesome model there. Joe Guardsman with King Lewin on his Hippogriff, uh, also a, a lovely miniature. Um, the banner was still missing he said I didn't get to, to uh, do that in time but well that's uh, there's still time after the challenge of course. Uh, Jurn has uh, an amazing wood elf army which he finishes off with a lord on dragon, a level 2 mage on dragon I should say. And he's also got some archers, War Dancers. uh, but for some reason they are not in the picture, but he did say them so we just include them for the points value. John uh, John likes old stuff. That is uh, it's his Discord name. Some orc boar boys with spears, the classic models, and a fanatic who is uh, struggling very hard to get his ball and chain from, off of the ground. Uh, another John John Murawski has some lovely eighth edition plastic. Um, what are they called again? London Sea Guards, the Hyals from the Island of Blood set and they are accompanied by the uh what's uh, champion um, let's see he's calling him Spearman champion but it's a guy with an axe I don't think it was a special character but it might be Corhill in a later edition but I'm not sure it might just be the uh, high elf lord with an axe and uh, a musician there and I think the other ones going to be a banner a standard bear but there's no banner attached to it yet Might be that that is still in the works. Um, So yeah, lovely miniatures there and a great paint job. And we close off the list of Johns with John Sandal, who has a, uh, let's see what have we got here. Uh, These are a high elves and dwarfs list He, he made two armies there. And he's got a high elf on a pegasus, some Illyrian reavers. Not quite sure. Now, I don't think these are the plastic ones. I think these are the earlier ones from sixth edition era, but I'm not sure there. Uh, I see also a dwarf lord. i not quite sure which name he is, but he is a named character. He's holding a hammer and a and a horn, uh, a horn as in a trumpet's horn. Um, might be King Casador, but I'm I'm not sure. that's it's a name that comes to mind. And he's also got a Slayer, Dragon Slayer miniature, who is on a 40 mil base, I think maybe even a 50 mil base, with the head of a dragon looking very smug, having just chopped off this dragon's head. JT, a Dark Elf player, painter, with the uh, Morathi miniature, Morathi on the Dark Pegasus. A lovely miniature and a lovely paint job as well. Some more elves, Matthew, Matthew Red, he has painted some white lions, Um, he said he fell a little bit short, there's there's a small gap in the unit here, he wanted to do a few more, but well, um, there's still time after the challenge of course. Uh, Matthias, Matthias Hedstrom, he's got a Skaven slash Empire list, which he finishes off with uh, some weapons teams, um, I believe that's one Jezel and a war fired thrower. If I know my Skaven a little bit, which I I don't because I don't have too many of them painted, but I played against them a couple of times. Michael Hanright, an Empire army from uh, Hocklands, uh, in the characteristic red and green colors. I think. I was going to say that these are some of the sixth edition plastics, but I'm not quite sure if that's true. Might be that I'm mistaken there. No, I don't think so. I, did these, uh, this might even be metal miniatures that are a little bit older than, than the ones that I'm thinking of. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I might organize this challenge, I know a lot about Warhammer, but I, I'm not intimately familiar with a lot of the miniatures, so I, I do hope to change that in the future. But uh, uh, So please forgive me if I mischaracterize any miniatures or uh, or, or names or things like that. Mosha, he has an undead slash demon army which he rounds off with some uh, let's see a chaos giant that is an awesome miniature. He's a giant with four arms. he's standing uh, over there's a cannon barrel on his base. he's painted blue a bit like a frost giant he reminds me of, but uh, he's holding a was that a tree trunk or a branch, big branch in two of his arms and the other arms are just flailing around trying to grab things. Uh, I'm not sure if this is an actual miniature or conversion, but either way well done. And uh, Masha also, despite ha- having entered undead and demons, also painted up some night goblins, a night goblin command group, uh, to uh, to add to his greenskin army. Pyotr, another dark elf player, finishes off with the golden of blood, uh, very realistic blood effects, if you ask me. The uh, awesome fourth edition model with the wheels and the spikes and everything. Rick Biondo has a orcs and goblins army which he I believe this is all the stuff of of at least all the stuff for his challenge he put onto a scenic base and he rounds this one off with a few night goblins uh, just about 15 points he says but well if you finish everything else then um, that's uh, then you don't need to add more Uh, He's uh, Uh, He also, uh, let's shout it out, his discord is Dolomar Painting, so Dolomar underscore painting if you want to uh, say discord, I meant Instagram. So if you want to see more of his pictures, more of his work, then just go there. Uh, Roderick, who I see I put up the wrong picture now, I'm going to amend that straight after this podcast, he finishes off with 20 Tutankund guard with a command group. And uh, Ruland, he has a Chaos Mortals army, a modest army of 1000 points, but he had some time left over and he painted up two exalted heroes, one with the Mark of Corn on a horsey and the other one a Mark of Flanesh battle standard bearer. And that rounds off his uh, 1000 points army to around 1600 points for 8th edition. Roger finishes off his Bretonian army with a damsel of the lady, a sorcerer's lord, and a hero, the one with the. uh, What's that called? Is it a morning star or flail? It's it's, it's a a little ball and chain that he holds in one hand. Uh, I believe it's one of the Knight of the Realm heroes. Uh, Steve Quinn, he also has a wood of dragon, and the uh, forest dragon is. Uh, Painted in the classic color scheme with uh, the red nails and horns and everything and the green scales and yellow underbelly. And a a very well painted wood elf lord on top. Uh, Sunzi, an undead army, he finishes off with some, uh, let's see, he's got a master necromancer, uh, an undead champion, which is a, uh, who's a ghost, but he will function as a... I guess just a regular champion, and some Skeleton Horsemen. Uh, Whites I should say, uh, White Horsemen, Mounted Whites. Uh, Not the same thing, but uh, well, they do look a little bit like skeletons. Tim Crozen has a Dwarf Flame Cannon, and uh, some more Dwarfs, some uh, Thunderers as well then and thunderers and, uh, and the flame cannon. Very nice and bright hero hammer era colors there on the dwarves. Uh, very, very nice combination of the, the three primary colors. And then of course some accents and details. Uh, Timmiaturs has a wood elf army which he finishes off with glade riders, uh, six glade riders. Um I'm not sure I recognize these models. So might be might be uh, from an edition that I'm not too familiar with, or they might be some third party models there even, or maybe a kick bash with the uh you, you had at one point you had the um the, the plastic late riders for wood elves. They came in in a box of eight, but you also had the, the ones with the stags, uh, the wild riders and the uh, the I don't know what the girls were called, but uh, there's some uh, Sisters of the Thorn, that's the ones I'm thinking of. So, might be some kid bashing going on there, I'm not sure. So, well, anyway, well done, Uh, very nice miniatures, Uh, love the cars on the horses as well. Uh, Two Elms, he did not complete everything that he wanted to, but he did finish off with the Plastic Giant that was released around 7th edition and one of the Plastic Fanatics. Uh, this fanatic has got a red and black outfit which I think will make him stand out and the giant is very colorful with all kinds of different fabrics knitted together to form up his, his trousers which he fortunately has. Uh, Vostroyan or Ryan uh, as I think his mother calls him has finished off with the uh, Birdman of Catrassa for his Dogs of War army five birdmen which uh, if you remember are those uh, just people with those contraptions on the back that makes them fly, makes them flap the wings and uh, they are holding crossbows. And finally your brush crush which is also his Instagram name, your underscore brush underscore crush, I believe it is. Uh, he has the orc uh, war boss which is mounted on a giant spider. Uh, lovely miniature as well, and some nice details on the basing, and an excellent paint job on the, both the goblin and the spider. So, yeah, uh, that's it. I finally done it. I finally shouted out everybody, and of course, all the people who are uh, who have already finished. I'm just going to call their names out uh, Andreas Netmark, Blue Invity, Clue in Griffith, Covering Fire, or Ted. Dan Dan Flogger, Hendrik Lundbeck with two armies actually, Joseph Justice, uh, Joshua, uh, Mark Murfield, Marcel, Matt Barker, Sam Clayton, Stian Tarkan, and Viola. Congratulations, everyone, on finishing the challenge. It has been an absolute pleasure to host this. You have been a great audience. It's been uh, it's been great to. Uh, hear your feedback, and I want to close this off with a little bit of plans for the future. Because a lot of people have asked, will there be a third edition of the Call of the Crown? And my honest answer is going to be, uh, well, that depends. For now, I do not plan to organize another edition of the challenge. Uh, I did have a lot of fun hosting the challenge, but it's also a lot of work. And I think that I do now want to focus more on painting and and, and podcasting and less on gathering pictures and mailing everybody to, uh, to send in their pictures after the deadline and stuff like that. So maybe there is someone out there who thinks, well, this was a lot of fun. I would like to try my hand at organizing a challenge like this. If that's you, then I suggest you uh, um, get in get in touch, get into contact with uh, Joshua. Uh, he I think his email address is still the uh, Crown of Command Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, so that's uh, the Crown of Command Podcast, including the uh, the article there, definite article uh, which is part of the part of the name Um, Or you can just send him or me a message on Facebook or Discord or wherever we are, wherever you can find us. And I'm sure we can arrange something. Now, looking back on the challenge, there are a few things that I uh, wish I would have done differently. And there are a few things that I'm glad I changed and a few things that I'm very positive about. Let me just close off by giving my own evaluation of this. First uh, thing I would have done differently, I think that for most people, uh, at least looking at myself, after about 6 months uh, most of the momentum had, had dropped away from the challenge. So I think next time if I were to do a challenge like this, I would make it a 6 month challenge not an 8th month challenge. Something that I'm very happy that I did was to open up the challenge for all editions and for different entry levels, different tiers. This allowed a lot of people to participate and uh, a lot of people, when I, when I did this at first, I thought, oh, i just going to do 2,000 points and a lot of people said, well, I do want to participate, but I'm, I'm not sure I can make 2,000 points in, in eight months. Uh, which of course is fine. So that's why I introduced those those levels, those tiers, and that allowed a lot of more people to contribute. And also um, opening up the challenge to different editions. The same thing: there a lot of people who otherwise would not have been able to participate. Um, maybe because they don't play Hero Hammer, now were able to participate. So. Those are things that if I would do the challenge again, I would definitely do the same. At first, I had planned to take a leaf out of the Gathering of Mighty Painters challenge book, which is that whenever somebody did not submit something or had to take a mulligan, um, I just put up a little photo below their name saying uh, with the crown of, Call of the Crown two Logo and... The word Mulligan pasted over it, and then a lot of people said, "Well, um, take those out because it's a little bit demotivating to see all those people dropping out and all those Mulligans." And and somebody suggested then, "Well, you can make a garden of more section at the bottom of the page," which I did, and I think that's one of the best decisions I made for the uh, for for the for the website. So um, well, I I said one of the decisions I made, but It was someone's suggestion, so I I don't remember who it was. Um, So sorry, I I would like to shout you out, but I'm not not sure who it was again. So anyway, thanks for the suggestion. That's something that really, really helped. And it also keeps other people motivated. So um, maybe close off with some tips for the next person who wants to organize a challenge like this. It's always going to be more work than you anticipate, especially near the end of the month around the deadlines. So make sure that you have that time or you can otherwise make that time to uh, gather up all the entries and stuff like that. Uh, Also, listen to your contestants, listen to the people participating because they come up with some good ideas that you may not, and it's it's not a competition. It's a challenge. It's a community thing. Uh, I, I was the one organizing it this time, but I still feel like this is something that we all did together. So um, yeah, that's it, um, that's one of the things I can also put out there as a tip and one of the things i also did was participate in my own challenge and i think that's also something that you should do because if you don't do that as an organizer then uh, you you feel like you're standing on the sidelines but you really should be participating and should be in uh, it's, um, it's a little bit difficult to describe, but the, there was this one month that I couldn't do anything, I had to take a mulligan, and I felt like, yeah, I, I, it, it didn't feel right to um, put up all those pictures and, and not contribute anything myself, so well, that may just be me, so maybe somebody else would, would have a different opinion on that. So let me round off by saying thank you once again to all of you for participating. Thanks to everyone for listening, for all your tips and advice. And if you are the next person to host this challenge, uh, please let me know because I would love to participate in another edition of the Call of the Crown. For now we are officially going to close this second Call of the Crown challenge, a marvellous success if you ask me. There will still be a post on the website with the final army pictures and there will also be a video uh, of the final army pictures where we just uh, showcase them, um, a little testimony to all of your hard work that you put in over the past 8 months. That's still in the making, or it may already be out by the time you hear this. But anyway, uh, let's just close off the challenge for now, and thank you all for listening, for participating, and for just being nice people and a great community.